Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. I'm super excited about this episode because I get to talk to you all about Google's disavow tool today. Link audits, manual actions, algorithmic suppressions, trying to learn and understand these things is what got me into SEO and pulled me out of my career as a veterinarian. My very first paying SEO client was a business owner that asked me if I could help them remove a manual action for unnatural links back in 2012. And while we do a lot more at MHC now than just link-related stuff, a large number of the clients that come our way have issues that cause Google's algorithms to suppress them. Some of our clients have come to us because they've had a manual action, commonly called Google penalties, and some are suppressed algorithmically. And then a lot of the time, we have business owners coming to us saying that they feel they're penalized and all of the things that they're trying to do to improve their SEO are just not working. A lot of these sites that think that they're dealing with either a Google penalty or an algorithmic suppression, I really think what's happening for them is that Google's algorithms are just evolving and they're finding that some of your competitors actually have sites that are more helpful to searchers than your site is. So for several weeks now, I've been meeting with my site auditors at MHC that focus mostly on links and manual actions. Dylan and Andrew on my team are our experts in these areas, but all of the MHC team get extensive training on understanding link quality. And we've been discussing all of the different cases for which we've either filed a disavow or recommended filing a disavow. Our goal in doing this was to determine how effective is our disavow work. In my opinion, the only way to accurately determine which links to disavow is to manually pour over your link profile, one link at a time, and look at each one and ask yourself what a member of Google's web spam team would think about this link. For most of the links that we look at, our conclusion is that the web spam team would just ignore this link, as would Google's algorithms. But on the other end of the spectrum, we do find links where we look at them and we go, oh yeah, this was definitely made only for SEO purposes. The only reason this link exists is because the site was trying to improve their page rank. But then there's a lot of gray area in between those two extremes. Our goal when we're auditing links is to determine if there are enough signs of manipulation in a link profile where you'd be really anxious about having the web spam team review your links. So I'm going to share with you in great detail in this episode what we found with this analysis and what our advice on disavowing going forward is going to be. I have a question that I want you to be thinking of the answer to. I'm going to come back to this again when I get to the part about <clears throat> disavowing and manual actions. Why does Google give out manual actions? That's the question. I'm going to build up a little bit of suspense here about why I'm asking this. I think there's actually a lot to be learned by answering this question. I'll also share with you in this episode a little bit about the most recent SEO news, or at least the things in the news that I found interesting this week as well. We've had yet another mini update, although this one might be a little bit bigger than some of the others that we've been seeing the last few months. There's been a, a search console bug that I'll mention it has to do with if you got this message about insufficient HTTPS coverage. Uh, we're seeing more people also ask boxes in the SERPs. And also John Mueller said some really interesting things this week in regards to machine learning and how Google's algorithms may or may not use that. So I want to touch on that as well. This is episode number 183 of Search News You Can Use. You can find the newsletter at mariehaines.com slash newsletter. And if you become a premium member of our community, which is $18 a month, each week you get about 5,000 words of content that goes along with podcast. It's meant to help improve your website in ways that Google will reward. Uh, we don't claim to have all the answers, but we've got 12 of us here working on site audits now and a little bit of ongoing SEO for some clients. We're slowly developing that out. And every single one of the MHC staff contributes to newsletter. Uh, if there's something to be learned in SEO that's important, we do our best to cover it and we give our opinion on what we've uh, learned each week. 
Okay, so let's start by talking about the most recent turbulence in Google's algorithms. I sound a bit like a broken record saying that I'm sounding like a broken record because pretty much every episode I start off now by explaining that we saw yet another change in traffic patterns across many of our clients that coincides with a lot of chatter amongst SEO forums of people saying that they're experiencing a significant Google update. This might just be the norm now. I've been calling these mini updates, although I feel like we need a better name for them somehow, but for now, that's what I'm going to keep calling them. We know Google updates multiple times per day, but at least weekly, we've been seeing these little updates that are very significant for some sites. I used to analyze every one of these little blips as Doing so can sometimes help us understand what it is that Google changed and understanding that can help us give advice to business owners that come to us looking to see improvements in Google rankings. Last week, I mentioned that April 30th to May 1st seems to be one of these mini updates. There was a bit of speculation that maybe this was a tweak to the product reviews update. I'm not completely convinced it is though. And then this week, May 7th to 9th, is the time frame where we have many sites that are seeing quite significant either increases or in some cases decreases in traffic and, and also rankings too. I spent a few hours this week analyzing this blip because the changes in traffic that I'm seeing for some of our clients are more dramatic than I've seen with some of these other mini updates we've had since January of this year. I have a feeling that May 7th to 9th is an update I'm probably going to have to come back to and analyze more, but for now, we're just going to call this another one of these mini updates that reflects Google's attempts at improving how relevant and helpful the pages are that they've returned when we type in a search. If you're new to podcasts, we've documented all of these dates and any patterns that we can find on our algo update list. That's at mariehaines.com algo. Now, seeing this next news item, I wonder if some of the turbulence that I'm seeing this week is maybe connected to the fact that Google's now showing more people also ask boxes in the search results. I saw Brody Clark tweeting about this and Barry Schwartz shared some images from different companies across the web that track how many people also ask boxes we're seeing in the search results. I saw that Rank Ranger's estimate shows that there's a significant spike in how many SERPs were showing the PAA boxes um, that starts on May 7th. So that lines up with this algo update. If Google's showing more people also ask results, then that's going to keep more people in the search results and fewer people on websites. So if I do do more analysis into the May 7th to 9th turbulence that we've seen, I think what I'll need to do is look at whether our clients who saw improvements also saw an increase in the number of people also asks that they're ranking for. And conversely, those who saw declines, whether perhaps Google's inserted more people also asks into their SERPs. I think that's a possibility we should consider, but I don't think that's the only thing that changed as several of the clients that I analyzed yesterday had really awesome improvements in organic rankings for regular keywords, not just people also asks, um, regular organic rankings as well. Still probably worth me investigating. Another thing I'd love to do, but I don't think I'm going to have time for this is more investigation into what types of content Google's pulling into people also asks. I mean, intuitively, if we're writing content to better meet the needs of searchers, I think that should result in us winning more people also asked rankings as well. Who knows? That might be something I study in the future. You know, for a while, learning about the Quality Raiders guidelines and EAT and applying all of that to our websites was this brand new thing that nobody was talking about in SEO. Well, I really think the next thing that we need to be focusing on is understanding thoroughly user intent. If you can figure out ways to provide your searchers with the answer that they're looking for in a way that's quick, easy, and trustworthy, then that's what's getting sites ahead these days, in my opinion. The next big thing in SEO will be thoroughly understanding user intent. I'm positive about this. 
I haven't experienced this next issue yet, but Search Engine Roundtable mentioned that some people's page experience report in GSC is showing a big error that says insufficient HTTPS coverage on your site. Uh, whatever that is, John Mueller has said a couple of times now that this is a bug on Google's side and it's not something that you need to worry about. Before we get into my thoughts on disavowing in 2021, this podcast episode is sponsored by Sitebulb. Sitebulb is an excellent crawler that helps you understand what audit data means. It doesn't just spit out numbers, but gives very helpful recommendations with in-depth explanations that can literally be copied and pasted into your audit. Every issue identified by the tool is assigned a priority rating that enables you to understand the relative importance of each one. The tool also uses data visualization throughout audits, so you can use aggregated charts to quickly spot patterns and drill down to the granular data behind them. If you'd like to give Sitebulb a try for free, you can get a special extended trial license using the code searchnews you can use at sitebulb.com searchnews. All right, let's talk disavowing. <laughs> I'm laughing right now because I like to dictate out a good number of the notes for a podcast and Google will never let me dictate the word disavow. It often writes it as disemboweling, which is funny because I might be the only person on the planet who has good experience in both disavowing and disemboweling. <laughs> if, you, if you didn't get that, I used to be a veterinarian. I've removed a lot of uh, intestines or bowels filled with socks or corn cobs, things like that. It feels like a real lifetime ago. A little bit of background, uh, just in case you're new to this podcast, because I think a lot of people are going to be listening to this to hear what we think about disavowing now in 2021. If you're new to podcast or perhaps we haven't been introduced before, I'm going to go a little meta here and extol my own EAT on this subject. I've put hundreds of hours into studying and testing the disavow tool. That's not an exaggeration. My Moz article on disavowing is the guide that many SEO firms use when they're learning to disavow. And I wrote a book on removing Google penalties that lots and lots of SEO agencies use. I've removed hundreds of Google penalties and have disavowed millions of links after a thorough manual link audit. I'm no fan. I'm not a fan of automated link auditing tools. That's something I'm not going to talk about in this episode, but if you have questions about that, you can tweet at me and uh, I can give you my thoughts there. Uh, but I'm not a fan of tools that tell you which links to disavow. My apologies if all of this seems braggy. I want to get across that I'm not just wildly theorizing with these recommendations here. Several years of my life were dedicated solely to helping businesses by using this tool. We do much more now, but for years, all I did in my career was deal with Google penalties. Well, that and raise two amazing children, you know, with David, that's, that's, you know, that's it. <laughs> but links and disavow was everything to me. Google's disavow tool was given to us in October of 2012. This was six months after the original launch of the Penguin algorithm. It took us a while to finally realize that Penguin was mostly about link quality. And even then, the only recovery case that we saw, or at least the first one that I'm aware of, the only one I'm aware of with the first Penguin refresh, was a case that Ross Hudgens shared on Moz's blog. Uh, it was a site called WPMU.org, and it was hit really hard by the Penguin update. And they felt, probably correctly, that much of this was caused by the fact that they had many website themes that they produced for others to use. And those themes contained keyword anchored links that would point back to their own website. Because this site had some control over these templates, and, and I think it might have been in plugins as well, it was easy for them to just remove these links. Now, they did other things as well. But Ross's conclusion, and I agree with him, is that removing these manipulative links made the website look better for the next time that the Penguin algorithm ran. And it looks like they removed enough of them that Google removed a Penguin suppression that was impacting the site's ability to rank. They did really well with the first Penguin refresh. I remember that post came out in the end of May in 2012. 
And in the forums that I was active in, in SEO in this time, this article caused a lot of fear and frustration because most of the sites that were impacted by Penguin did not have control over the links that they'd made. If you spent the last few years building links in low quality directories and super low quality article publishing sites and blog comments, and then you saw a massive decline in rankings with Penguin, it's not like you could super easily just get those links removed. Maybe in the directories, but we had case after case where we would uh, try to find the passwords to the directories and we'd send out emails to get links removed. And it was very, very challenging. For manual action sites that I had at the time, this was exactly the kind of link that Google was flagging in these manual actions. And I had a whole process in which I would find contact information for all of these sites that were linking out with low quality links. And then I'd reach out to them to ask them to either remove or no follow those links. At first, a lot of these site owners were quite happy to comply. I'd say on average, when I first started doing link removals, and there were whole companies that got formed where all they did was get links removed for penalized sites. There were that many penalties at the time on the web. When I first started doing this, I'd get maybe 10 to 15% of these spammy links removed. And that was really good. And this was after spending hundreds of hours emailing and responding to angry emails from site owners who'd argue with me that, no, this link is natural and you shouldn't do this and Google's using you and... But that still meant that for some sites, despite knowing what the problem was, there was no way to get rid of it because we couldn't get rid of all of these unnatural links pointing to the website. So in October of 2012, Google introduced this tool that they called the disavow tool. So for now, these sites that had hundreds or in some cases thousands of low quality links that were built just for SEO purposes we could put these links or the domains into the disavow tool. And the result was that Google would take those links out of their calculations when they're determining page rank and other link related factors for their site. Back then, good use of the disavow tool was extremely powerful. I don't know the exact number, but I don't think it's exaggerating to say that we helped hundreds of sites improve their Google rankings with good use of the disavow tool back then. And then in 2016, Google came out with Penguin 4.0 and Gary Ish told us that Penguin no longer had a demoting effect. Instead, this algorithmic filter now just ignored unnatural links. Now, much of the rest of this discussion that we're going to have depends on whether you believe that this statement is true. If Google does just ignore unnatural links, well, then why would we need to file a disavow? to ask Google to ignore links that they're already ignoring. It doesn't make any sense. If Gary was right and Google's algorithms are now able to ignore links that are spammy, then there's really no purpose in disavowing. So at some point after Penguin 4.0, I made a decision that I was not going to recommend disavowing unless a site was dealing with a manual action for unnatural links. In which case, yes, I still was going to disavow. And I'm going to talk in a minute about how those have changed over the years as well, because they've changed dramatically. And what we're seeing today for manual actions is a little bit terrifying. You, you do not want to get a manual action. Trust me. If Gary was saying that Google's algorithms maybe could devalue spam, then what about overt attempts at manipulation that weren't exactly spam? Are those ignored? What about the site that's found ways to consistently get mentioned in news outlets because they're paying off journalists or supplying sites with content that includes links? If Google sees enough of those in their algorithms, could that cause your site harm? Something we see really commonly is that an SEO agency will have arrangements with all sorts of publishers on the web, whereby they provide the websites with content and in return, they're allowed to place a few links to some of their clients in that content. This is really common. They do this to convince Google's algorithms that other sites are recommending our content or our business, but these are not recommendations really. I believe this type of link building is often seen as manipulative in Google's algorithms, but a lot of people justify it by saying, well, these aren't 
paid links, no money changed hands, so it's got to be all right. But really, should Google be counting these as recommendations in their algorithms? Like, probably not. So what if Google's algorithms see a lot of links like these? Do they just ignore all of them? Do maybe some of them count as good recommendations and then only some get ignored? Well, if that's the case, then if you believe that, there's really no harm in trying to build links, right? Well, a couple of years after we made this decision to only disavow in cases of manual actions, we had a site come to us that had a backlink profile that consisted of a huge number of self-made links for SEO. There were some directory spam, uh, but most of these links were in articles that were published on a variety of sites around the web. A good number of them were keyword anchored, although not all of them. If any site ever needed to disavow, it was this one. So even though we were currently not recommending disavows, we said, yeah, we're going to make an exception for this site, uh, you know, because this site we felt was in danger of getting a manual action if the web spam team was to review it. And we don't always know why sites get reviewed by the web spam team. So we told them, look, we don't expect much. We're mostly filing this disavow as a precaution against a manual action. And we really didn't expect to see much in terms of improvement for this site. So we were really surprised when a couple of months after filing this uh, disavow, traffic started to improve. This is actually one of our best success stories ever. Not only did traffic improve, but it continued to grow and it still does today. I don't have the analytics for this site anymore, but I just checked on SEMrush. Now SEMrush traffic estimates, they're not always 100% accurate, but usually the trends of ups and downs are you know, relatively uh, the same as what we see in Google Analytics. Um, SEMrush shows that from 2012 to 2018, this site grew from about 50 visitors a day to maybe 300 or so. Not bad. And then we filed the disavow. And within two months of filing the disavow, that number was up from 300 to 3,000. And I'm not sure if this part is accurate, but according to SEMrush, this site currently gets about 60,000 visitors daily from Google Organic Search. I thoroughly believe that prior to us filing this disavow, Google's algorithms, even after Penguin 4.0, when Google told us that they can ignore many of the links on the web, that unnatural links were suppressing this website. And filing the disavow removed that suppression. Now again, it's important for me to mention that this site had been building links for years on an incredible scale. We disavowed over 50% of their link profile, which was thousands of links that they had purposely built for SEO. Now, who knows? One of the problems in determining whether disavowing still works is that there are far too many factors that can contribute to a site's success. We, we hadn't advised this client on anything beyond the disavow, but it's certainly possible that they were working on other aspects of quality as well. I really think that their success was 100% tied to filing a thorough disavow though. A few months after this case happened, John Mueller did a help hangout in New York City and he invited anybody in the area to pop in and join him. Well, I had never met John and we're just an hour flight away, so I booked a ticket and I was honored to join him in this help hangout. And I asked him in this hangout whether it was still possible for unnatural links to impact a site's ability to rank, even if that site didn't have a manual action. So I'm gonna read to you, here's what he said. That can definitely be the case. It's something where our algorithms, when we look at it and they see, oh, there are a bunch of really bad links here, then maybe they'll be a bit more cautious with regards to the links in general for the website. And he went on to say that if you clean up the links, then the algorithms can look at it and say, oh, okay, it's not that bad anymore. And I'm pretty sure that's what happened in this case that I told you about, where we saw dramatic improvements after filing a disavow for a site with no manual action. The site had a bunch of really manipulative links and Google's algorithms were more cautious with it. And then when we cleaned up those links, rankings improved dramatically. But that was two years ago. And Google's algorithms have changed even more in the last couple of years. From 2019 until now, we've done a fair amount of disavow work for quite a few clients, although not nearly as much as we used to many years ago. 
Before I get into whether disavowing is still helping sites algorithmically, let's talk about what I've seen in terms of changes with manual actions recently. When I was doing research for this article that is, we're going to be publishing it later this week on mariehaines.com, I went back and I found the wording for a particular type of manual action for unnatural links that Google started sending out in 2013. If you got one of these warnings and lots of sites got them, you got an email that said this, we've detected that some of the links pointing to your site are using techniques outside Google's guidelines. We do not want to put any trust in links that are unnatural or artificial, and we recommend removing any unnatural links to your site. However, we do realize that some links may be outside your control. As a result, for this specific incident, we are taking very targeted action to reduce trust in the unnatural links. If you are able to remove any of the links, you can submit a reconsideration request, including the actions you took. And that was it. It didn't say why you'd want to do this. A lot of sites got this manual action and we had a lot of discussion in the SEO community as to how to respond to this. It felt to me like Google was saying, hey, we noticed unnatural links pointing to your site and if you want to, you can remove them and request reconsideration, but it may or may not help. And at the same time, there were very few instructions from Google on what they meant by removing links or even filing for reconsideration. Back in 2013, I started scouring forums to hear of cases where people had successfully removed manual actions. And what I did was I started to put a process together based on what seemed to work for other people. I wrote a book, which many SEO companies still use to this day, that helps them to get manual actions removed. I'll link to that in the description if uh, we updated it just last year. So still very, very valid for, uh, for today, even though I wrote it many years ago. Uh, but there's so much confusion back in 2013 because it's not an easy task to get a manual action removed. It's not something you do just for fun, <laughs> especially these new confusing warnings in 2013. When Google said, yeah, you might as well file a reconsideration request. This is kind of like the IRS sending you a warning saying, hey, we're not really auditing you, but we noticed a bunch of sketchy stuff in your income recently. And if you'd like to, you could act as if you're being audited. <laughs> it felt the same as that to me. At that time, I had so much demand for helping businesses remove these manual actions that I kept raising my prices and I kept trying to find as many people as I could to refer business to. At one point, I was incredibly stressed with all this business. I went from being a veterinarian who was on bed rest during pregnancy, just kind of figuring out Google, to a very sought after penalty remover, and it was insane. I had one company reach out to me and want to hire me, and my standard response was to refer new business to friends of mine uh, whom I trained to remove manual actions. I taught my neighbor across the street how to audit links, and she's still got clients to this day who do regular link audits with her. And so I tried to refer this one client away and they insisted that they needed me because again, uh, this whole landscape was just so confusing. So I threw out ridiculous numbers. I told this company I was so busy that in order for them to hire me and pull me away from my other work, they'd have to pay me $100,000 US, <laughs> which at the time was like 130 grand Canadian. And they said, all right, send us the contract. <laughs> I learned to get really good at removing penalties quickly. So when Google gives out these confusing manual actions that didn't really say whether there was a penalty or not, they wrote a blog post and they explained the types of links that they were targeting in this wave of manual actions, widget bait, paid links, blog spam, guest book spam, excessive article directory submissions, excessive link exchanges, and other types of link spam. And this was exactly the type of link that we would see Google give us as examples in manual actions eight years ago. I've trained a lot of people to audit links. I used to have entire days where I would have Netflix open on one screen and I'd audit links for eight hours straight. <laughs> I've watched the entirety of Lost, Breaking Bad, and most of The Walking Dead at the same time as auditing links. 
And every single case back then was very, very similar. I'd go through links in my spreadsheet one by one and I'd make decisions. Oh, this is obviously a low quality directory link. And here's a link in a comment that was created just for SEO. And oh, look, another low quality directory link. And then every now and then there'd be links that I would call mentions. Mentions on our link auditing spreadsheet generally mean here's a link that we think Google's algorithms will value. Or in other words, here's a link that we think Google's algorithms would want to count as a recommendation for your business. Now, remember, I'm still talking about back in 2013. In the article that'll be coming out later this week, you'll see that I've actually included some screenshots of the types of links that used to lead to manual actions back eight years ago. I also included a bunch of the example links. When, when Google started giving us example links, initially these were all very obviously spammy links. The type of link that you could buy by the hundreds on Fiverr. Comment spam, super obvious stuff like that. But today that's not the kind of link that Google gives us as examples. I believe that because now they can just ignore those spammy links with their algorithms, they don't need to give manual actions for those. So let me jump forward to the types of manual actions that we've dealt with in the last year or so. I'm focusing mostly on unnatural links manual actions here. We've dealt with quite a few requests for help with pure spam, which is a whole other topic. I don't know if Google's still giving out thin content penalties, but it's been a while since we've seen one of those. And we do get people helping, uh, asking for help with schema penalties as well. Those are usually pretty easy to remove because you just remove the offending schema. But let's talk about inbound unnatural link penalties. Uh, we do see the occasional outbound unnatural link penalty too, but what inbound unnatural link penalties are mostly what we're talking about here. I always wrestle with whether to call them penalties. I, I was an expert witness in a court case about a Google penalty a few years ago, and this was actually the topic of a whole day's worth of argument, whether Google actually considered manual actions to be synonymous with penalties. In my experience, most of the time, if you get a manual action from Google, it has a penalizing effect. So I'm fine with people calling it a penalty as well. What I think you'll find really interesting is the type of example link that Google gives us with failed reconsideration requests today. Years ago, we could commonly get manual actions removed on the first or second try because it was really obvious, at least to me, which links were low quality directory links and the widget bait and the super obvious links that were made just for SEO reasons. Today, the manual actions that we're dealing with take months and even years to resolve. And often determining which links to disavow is challenging. The majority of the example links that we get from Google are links within articles where it's pretty obvious that the link is there for SEO reasons still. Uh, let's say, for example, we're working with a site that had been building links to try to promote their pages that talk about credit cards. It's still pretty common for us to get example unnatural links that are articles about something related to credit cards and then link back to our client. And the anchor text is usually something like apply for a credit card or even just credit cards. A lot of the times the site that's linking out is one that we know was created just for linking out, just so they can sell links. It could be a private blog network or even a mom blog. But if you look around the site, it's pretty obvious that they've been linking out unnaturally. When we get this type of link, anybody on my team, even my most junior employee would be very easily able to recognize that this is an unnatural link. And yet some people are still building links like this. I saw several Reddit discussions this week where people were saying that all you need to do to rank is just start guest blogging. I've talked a lot in past episodes about how I feel that Google's getting better at determining which links are actually recommendations because that's why they count links. It's because if a lot of people are linking to a page on the web, it's probably worth recommending to other people as well. But this next part is the part that's a little bit terrifying, especially if you've been building links in ways that are generally recognized as white hat by SEOs. I'm not saying that all link building goes against Google's guidelines, but link building at scale 
often does. I'm going to share with you some of the types of example links that we've received recently with failed reconsideration requests. But keep in mind that for each of these sites, the scale of link building that they've done is huge. These example links would be so much easier to share if I could tell you who these clients are. Uh, you would really understand why they look like natural links. Uh, but I want to protect their anonymity. One of them um, is a site that deals with a financial topic that's exploded in popularity in the last year. This is a really, really good site. And I would say that our client has some of the most helpful content out there on this topic. And there's probably, you know, they're one of the biggest authorities on this topic as well. So this company has done some very good marketing over the years, but some of that marketing also included building links meant for SEO. And they did this on a very large scale. If you looked at any one of the links that Google gave us as examples, because they have an unnatural links penalty, you would think that Google had lost their minds. One example link that they gave us was one that came from a scraped version of a Medium post. So our client wrote a blog post and published it on Medium and linked back to their site. But that's okay because Medium has no followed links and there's nothing against Google's guidelines in doing that. Yet this Medium post was scraped several times. And some of the sites that scraped or copied this article, they didn't use no follow on their links when they linked out. And so now they've created followed links, but my client didn't do this on purpose. That should not be an unnatural link. And this is an example that Google gave us of manipulative link building that led to an unnatural links manual action for this site. Another example that a client was given was in a news article on a site that's well-read it's not a spammy news site. It's not a PBN. It's read by real humans. Now, this was not a paid placement either. The article was talking about a particular newsworthy topic. And the text said, according to so-and-so from such and such business, so they mentioned my client and their business, their business name, here's what they think is happening. And they mentioned a few things and they share, and, the, and then they said, and they share more in a blog post. Well, the words that were anchored in this link were blog post, not a keyword anchor, not a phrase that they're trying to rank for. My link auditors marked this as a valid mention. We didn't mark this as a link to disavow. And there are several other examples like this too. I've included more in the blog post that we'll have out on this later this week. I can't share them all in this uh, podcast because I'll be here forever if I do that. If I were doing that link audit today and I saw those links, I would still call them mentions. And I'm not saying that you should stop writing articles on Medium and you should stop trying to get quoted by journalists. I, I, I think the fact that I, Google gave us these as examples is actually a little bit of a clue as to what Google values. I asked at the beginning of this episode for you to think of the answer to this question. Why does Google give out manual actions? If Google is confident that they can ignore spam with their algorithms, why do they need to give out manual actions? Here's a quote from John Mueller from a help hangout from 2018. He said, from a manual point of view, we try to take action when we realize that we can't solve it algorithmically, when something is really causing a problem and it's affecting our search results, that's some place where the manual web spam team might step in and say, we need to take action here. So I believe that when Google gives a manual action for unnatural links, it's because they can recognize that their algorithms are treating a large number of links as recommendations when really they're not. Back in 2013, the types of links that Google gave us as example links were low quality directory links and eZine article kind of keyword anchored links that were very easy to make and blog comment spam and forum signature spam. I joined lots of forums that allowed me to create a signature link to my veterinary website. I had the anchor text online veterinary advice and it worked really, really well many years ago. There's a reason why so many SEOs used to and some still do build links in this way because they used to be very effective. Now we don't see this type of link given as an example by Google anymore. 
And I believe that's because Google's confident in their ability to recognize that type of link and simply not include it in their calculations for PageRank for that site. Or in other words, they can ignore those types of links. Some of you might remember a guy named Fathom from the SEO chat forums who sadly Fathom's passed away now. He was so inspiring. He worked really, really hard to figure out Google, mostly in black hat ways. And then he'd share his findings in the forums, but he wouldn't just share them. He'd challenge us sometimes with cryptic riddles and puzzles <laughs> to solve. And he'd, he'd get us arguing as well. Well, quite a few well-known successful people in our industry learned and argued with Fathom. I'm, I'm thinking right now of Nick Leroy, who's an excellent technical SEO. We send work to him now. Joel Kletke, who escaped SEO and runs several companies now that offer copywriting and testimonial building. We were all newbies at the time. Well, Fathom taught us how to find and buy expired domains and create a private blog network. I don't think I've shared this before, but for a little while, I wrote articles for Fathom. And in return, he included links pointing to some of my websites. I've since disavowed those links. I'm, I'm actually... Glad that I did this. I mean, I don't do a whole lot of uh, black hat type link building, but I'm glad I did it because it gave me insight into the different ways that people would build links. And then I would often see this type of thing come up as examples in reconsideration requests that I was handling. Well, when I first started getting these links from Fathom's blog network, some of them were very powerful. And then over time, they just stopped working. At least that was my experience. Well, I remember dealing with a manual action in about 2014 or so, which was really challenging because the site had worked with several SEO companies for years using all sorts of tactics like this. Many of the example links we got at the time were networks of uh, private blog networks, also free host sites. Uh, this business had built blog networks on sites like Weebly and WordPress and Blogspot and hundreds of others, and they were very, very hard to find. It was such a hard penalty to remove. Well, why did this site spend hundreds of hours and who knows how much money building this network? Because back then for a while, before getting the penalty, that type of link used to work really well. And why did Google give us those examples of unnatural links to be cleaned up in their, uh, our next reconsideration request? I believe it's because that type of link at that point was still working. In some cases, Google couldn't algorithmically figure out whether these were natural mentions that should be counted as recommendations or whether they were just spam. And that's why they had to give a manual action to this site. But we don't get that kind of link as example links today. So I think it's pretty telling that many of the types of links that Google gives us as examples today are links that any one of us would look at and consider good white hat links. <laughs> if you could see me in my little office above my garage right now, you'd see that I'm doing air quotes around white hat. I think that most people who are creating links that call them white hat, you're still creating your own recommendations for yourself or for your clients. So unless you're finding ways to earn links and get people who really matter to be mentioning you and to want to recommend you without being incentivized to do so, then my guess is you're probably building links that Google does not want to count. Now, I don't think that most of you who are link building are actually going to get a manual action. I wish I could communicate better the scale of link building that's been done by sites that get manual actions today, at least the ones that we see. I mean, it's possible that now we've been doing this for a while, we tend to see the worst of the worst cases, but every manual action we've dealt with for the last couple of years has been very challenging. And I used to be able to get manual actions removed very fast. It should be getting faster and easier with more experience, and it's not. So here's my answer to why does Google give out manual actions? This is based on many years of experience. I'd say that most, if not all manual actions for unnatural links are given to sites that have done link building that many SEOs would call white hat, but have done it on a massive scale so large that Google's algorithms are not comfortable trusting any of the links pointing to the site. 
So the next question to ask then is what to do in regards to disavowing if you've done some link building, but maybe not on a massive scale. Let's say you hired an SEO company for six months and you've got a small handful of what my link auditors would call articles for SEO. Or perhaps you haven't built a link in years, but a few years ago you had a private blog network built for you. Should you disavow? What if you've guest posted here and there? We looked back at sites that we disavowed for, and we did find a few cases in which every time we filed the disavow, there was a traffic increase a few days to maybe up to two months later, which seems to be our experience over the years. I think this could be connected to Google running periodic refreshes of some type of a link algorithm and how long it takes for us to see improvement depends on when one of these updates happen. But who knows? Penguin's supposed to be real time now, but there are other algorithms that Google uses for links as well. All we know is that sometimes we still do see improvements after filing a disavow. The problem is though, that we are rarely doing just that. We work really hard to find as many areas as we can to improve site quality. And so it's rare that we find a site where the only issue that we're dealing with is auditing their links and filing a disavow. So if we see improvements, it could be the disavow, it could be something else. One of the sites that's seen really nice improvements after each disavow is also in a niche that has become very popular during the pandemic. And so it's hard to say whether the improvements we're seeing are because of our disavowing or perhaps they're just getting more traffic and they're also continually improving their website in other ways. Um, so yes, I do feel that we've seen improvement algorithmically in rankings after filing disavows, but here's something important to know. Each of those sites that we've disavowed for were sites that had backlink profiles that we felt were worthy of a manual action. These were all sites with massive attempts at manipulation of Google's algorithms. So I do believe John when he says that there are algorithms Google has that can essentially say, oh, well, we're ignoring a lot of links pointing to this site and we're not sure we can trust this link profile at all. I think that if you've been really overdoing it in terms of link building of any kind, Google's algorithms can detect that. And for the really tough cases, they might slap on some type of algorithmic suppression on the site. So yes, we still do disavow, but only for sites with link profiles that are horrendously manipulative. Most sites, including sites that have done some degree of link building, likely will not benefit from filing a disavow, in my opinion. If you've been building links that Google's algorithms do not want to consider as recommendations, I think what's most likely is that Google just ignores a good number, if not all of these. Again, manual actions and also algorithmic suppressions are reserved for cases where the scale of the link problem is so large that Google feels that they just can't ignore this all algorithmically. The other issue I should just briefly mention here is negative SEO. I get asked several times a week whether sites should disavow if you see a sudden onslaught of negative SEO. You know, I've been talking about disavowing quite a while and this is becoming a really long episode. So I'm gonna leave the topic of negative SEO to another day because I could probably speak for the entire episode on that as well. In short, I do not believe negative SEO works, at least through link spam. I'm fairly certain that Google is able to ignore any of the types of links that are used in negative SEO. If my theory is true, and manual actions and algorithmic suppressions are only reserved for sites that have been seriously overdoing attempts at manipulation that are actually working, then in order for negative SEO to be effective and actually work, it would actually have to greatly improve a site's rankings for quite a period of time before resulting in a negative effect. I really don't recall seeing a case where I believe negative SEO uh, via link spam was working. We have one client right now who has a manual action who believes that a competitor is pointing unnatural links at them uh, in the form of negative SEO. Now this started happening after they already had received a manual action. And they say that each time this happens, their rankings are getting worse and worse. I think it's conceivably possible that when you have a manual action, adding more fuel to the fire could make things worse. But I also think that there's a lot of sites right now that are seeing declining rankings as Google figures out language 
I really feel like they're figuring out which links to count as recommendations and they're figuring out which content is actually the most valuable. And a lot of sites that think they're losing rankings and traffic because of negative SEO are actually losing rankings and traffic because they're not as good as their competitors. And Google's now figuring this out. If you're interested in me talking more about negative SEO, feel free to tweet at me. I'm Marie underscore Haynes. The one without the underscore on Twitter is an author of erotic romance novels. I want to meet her one day. I, years ago, I was all set to pay her several thousand dollars for the domain name mariehaines.com, and then she let it expire. Maybe I shouldn't tell her that story. Anyhow, that's not me. I'm the one with the underscore that talks about SEO, not nearly as exciting. If enough people are interested, I'll do a whole podcast episode on my thoughts on negative SEO. Uh, I could talk for a long time on that. Let me sum up my recommendations for disavowing at this point. If you currently have a manual action for unnatural links, then yes, you need to use the disavow tool. You should also be trying to get links removed from the web as this can sometimes help speed up the process of getting a manual action removed. The other sites that we recommend disavowing for are sites that don't have a manual action, but have loads and loads of links that are created for SEO purposes only. I recognize that some of you are probably not sure whether that's you or not. If you're really on the fence as to whether disavowing could help you, you can reach out to my team at help at We do offer a plan that we call a link overview in which one of my link auditors will look at your link profile and give our opinion on whether or not a full link audit is likely to help. As much as I'd love to do more link auditing, most of the time though, our recommendation is that filing a disavow would not be worth the money spent. If you've built some links in the past, you probably don't need to disavow, but I wouldn't recommend building easy to obtain links in the future. I was going to share some more in this episode on something that John Mueller said this week that hints that Google's algorithms might be using machine learning to adjust ranking factors. I'm going to leave that out for newsletter readers to read now because uh, this has been a very, very long episode. I get talking about disavowing and it's hard to shut me up. I'm telling you, I'm a lot of fun at parties. <laughs> Nobody likes to sit and listen to disavowing for an hour. What are you doing listening to this podcast? If you are, I greatly appreciate you. All right, folks, it's a beautiful day. I'm going outside to try to get in some sun and maybe a little bit of exercise. As always, you can find the newsletter version of this episode at mariehaines.com newsletter. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love for you to give me a like or a thumbs up and hit the subscribe button so I can babble at you every week as I learn more about what it is that Google likes in websites. If you're interested in hiring my team to review your website, we do have a little bit of a waiting list, but you can inquire about our prices and availability again at help at mariehaines.com. Thanks so much for listening, and I wish you the best of luck with your rankings. Mm -hmm.